welcome to Word Online. Hello and welcome to series one and episode 12. Thank you for joining us again. This is the story of the escape to Egypt and the return home of Mary, Joseph and the infant Jesus. If you've been listening to the previous episodes, you'll realise we're now towards the end of this incredible series of stories about the birth of Jesus and the miraculous circumstances that surrounded uh, this birth. The birth took place at Bethlehem. The shepherds saw a remarkable sign in the sky and angels and came to worship and then We saw in the last episode how magi or wise men from the east, probably from Babylon, travelled all the way to the land of Israel after seeing a remarkable sign which they considered to be a star in the sky. Uh, And they came and arrived at Jerusalem and then found the baby Jesus at Bethlehem, worshipping him and giving gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. So that's the story so far. But it leaves us with a point of real tension and difficulty. There is the family, Mary, Joseph and Jesus, in Bethlehem still, probably planning to go home quite soon to the northern part of the country, to Nazareth. But nearby, in the capital city, Jerusalem, is King Herod the Great, the ruler of the country. We saw from the last uh, episode in Matthew chapter 2, how Herod was very agitated by the arrival of the the wise men um, and he was concerned about uh, the significance of this newborn child who might threaten his rule over the country in the long term. So this is the context of the story that we're going to read to you now. So uh, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 23. Speaking of the Magi, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realised that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was filled, a voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel, weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. After Herod died, An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, 
Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. Another very remarkable story here with some sinister implications and some radical decisions. Herod was very angry when the Magi didn't return to him because they could easily have come from Bethlehem back to Jerusalem, just a few kilometres away, and made a courtesy call to King Herod, having seen the infant Jesus in Bethlehem. They could easily have told Herod about this discovery and then returned home. But as the text previously said, they were warned in a dream not to do that. And so they went by another route and went back to their home, probably in Babylon. But Herod was angry. And so he planned a rather vindictive and typically tyrannical move. He'd done many things like this before and other historians have recorded his actions and they're very brutal. And he sent in some of his soldiers to kill off young boys in and around Bethlehem in the hope of identifying the baby Jesus and killing him in the process. But you'll notice what happens here. God intervenes through a dream and through the activity of angels. And so Joseph has a series of dreams as the father of the family. And um, he was warned initially to escape quickly. And so very interestingly, the story says as soon as he had this dream, he went during the night he left Bethlehem. It was really urgent that they got away from this threat. Herod's soldiers were going to come very quickly to Bethlehem and the surrounding areas and try and find this child and kill him in his infancy. And so very suddenly, Joseph, Mary and Jesus are on the road again. And this time they're going to Egypt. In other words, they're going outside the country of Israel. Herod the Great ruled the whole of the country of Israel on behalf of the Romans, which we discussed more fully in the previous episode. So anywhere that they went in Israel, they wouldn't be safe if Herod was seeking to find them. So under the instruction of the angel and through the dream, Joseph made a radical decision. He'd leave the country. And he made the obvious decision, which is to go south. He was already in the south of the country, but he had a long way to go to get to Egypt. And there was a road that went from Jerusalem right the way down towards the coast, the Mediterranean coast in the area of Gaza, and then along the Mediterranean coast through a desert area called the Sinai Desert. It was the main trading route and the main road of connection between Israel and Africa, between Europe, Asia and Africa. It was a very major trade route for the whole of the ancient world. And that's the route that Joseph and Mary took with their infant Jesus. 
traveling, um, I would estimate, between three and 400 kilometers, depending on exactly where they ended up in Egypt, which we're not told. This is a desert route. This is difficult traveling. This is dangerous traveling. This is hot and dry and arid. And they had to make this journey with Jesus literally only a few days old. Just imagine making such a journey with a newborn child. A tremendous and demanding journey was made. But when they got to Egypt, we know that they would have been able to connect with Jewish communities there. Because from the period of the Old Testament, there were a substantial number of Jews who went into exile at various times particularly during the times that the Babylonians came into Israel. And some of them went into exile in Egypt and they established thriving Jewish communities in cities like Alexandria and in other towns in Egypt. So the likelihood is that Joseph and Mary found refuge amongst their fellow Jews living in Egypt perhaps in the city of Alexandria, a major northern city with whole districts that were Jewish. We don't know exactly what happened at this time, but it's interesting to speculate. They must have found somewhere safe to stay. And they had to stay until they had an indication to return. God gave them an indication according to the story here. And the indication came when Herod the Great had died. Now, as I said in the last episode, Herod's Life was near its end at the time when the Magi arrived and Jesus was born. He was a very old and frail and ill man at that time. And so it's quite possible that within a year or perhaps two years of the flight to Egypt that Herod had died. Joseph got an indication of this and felt that the time had come that he needed to return to his homeland to Israel. And so they took the route back, three or four hundred kilometers, just to get as far as Bethlehem. But they had much further to go because the story tells us that they ended up in Galilee, which is in the north of the country. So they might easily have traveled 500 or more kilometers on that return journey. And on the way up, Joseph was talking to people, no doubt, and found out that in Judea, where Jerusalem and Bethlehem is, Herod's son Archelaus was ruling. Now we know from other historians that he was as brutal as his father. He was deposed by the Romans a few years later. And so Herod's son was, was dangerous. But in fact, the Romans had divided up Herod's kingdom. And the, the area of Galilee was to be ruled by another of Herod's sons. Three of his sons took three parts of the country, Herod Philip, Herod Antipas, and Archelaus. And it was Herod Antipas who ruled in Galilee. And we also know from uh, the accounts in the Gospels and elsewhere that Herod Antipas was not such a brutal ruler. And so Joseph took Mary and Jesus back to Galilee, where they'd come from in the first place, and back to Nazareth, the town that I described to you in an earlier episode uh, when the angel appeared to Mary and we found out about Mary and Joseph and the area of Nazareth, a rather remote village in central Galilee. And anyway, they ended up there and they safely were able to live for uh, the childhood of Jesus. These are very dramatic events. 
traumatic events, in fact, if you think about it, for Mary and for Joseph. And for a mother having her first child and feeling that the security of the child was under threat, that's a very challenging emotional situation, quite apart from the practicalities of being on the road and living away from home, away from your relatives and away from any support. As we look over Matthew chapter 2, we notice an interesting thing, which is that Matthew frequently quotes from the Old Testament. I've mentioned this briefly before, but we'll come back to it and just talk about it in a little bit more detail now. There are a number of quotations which you will have noticed that Matthew uses. And he uses quotations from the Old Testament in three different ways, which are in fact illustrated in Matthew chapter 2. I'll just mention them briefly, just to help us understand the role of Old Testament prophecy uh, in the New Testament. And this pattern you'll see in many different writers, but it's particularly clear in Matthew. Sometimes Matthew quotes what we call a direct prophecy. One of the Old Testament prophets foresees something very, very specific which is fulfilled through Jesus or through the church or the gospel. Now, we saw an example of this when the Magi were talking to King Herod and Herod called in his advisors and the religious leaders and he asked them to give some Old Testament explanation about where the Messiah or the future king would be born. And they turned to the pages of Micah, the prophet, chapter 5 and verse 2, and they read it in Herod's presence. And it's a very clear, direct prophecy. This is what we call a direct prophecy. It's the simplest level of prophecy. And this often happens in the quotations in the New Testament. A prophecy from the Old Testament is directly fulfilled through Jesus, the church and the gospel and the events surrounding Jesus' coming. But we have another interesting example here. Two different examples of two different usages. Let's look at verse 17 and 18. When the young boys were killed in Bethlehem by King Herod's soldiers, Matthew interestingly says that this was to fulfill what the prophet Jeremiah had stated. And he quotes the following statement from the book of Jeremiah. I'll read it again. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Ramah is a small town or village in this vicinity in central Israel. And when you look back in the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, where this is quoted from, you'll see that the context is invasions and incursions into the land by either Assyrian or Babylonian invaders. And and as they came in, they attacked the land and they burnt villages, took captives, killed people off, children died, and... Jeremiah is describing what would happen when these incursions into the country took place back in his his day. And he describes a woman called Rachel. Now, Rachel is one of the matriarchs of Israel, one of the um, founders uh, of the, the nation. And so using the word Rachel is a representation of Israel as a nation. So he's describing something that he foresaw happening in his lifetime. 
Now, Matthew basically says here that what happened then was being reiterated or recapitulating. It was happening again in a different context. And that is a foreign oppressive ruler is causing suffering to the nation of Israel by uh, killing its children. Herod the Great was a foreign ruler, like the Assyrians and the Babylonians were foreign invaders seeking to rule the country. And just as great suffering happened with, with tremendous sadness for the mothers in Israel at the time that Jeremiah prophesied, so something similar happened in the time of King Herod the Great. This is what we call a typological prophecy. There's one central core meaning in the prophecy, but something similar can happen on more than one occasion where that core meaning is fulfilled. And then sometimes, thirdly, Matthew and other writers take a statement from the Old Testament, which isn't a prophecy, but it's just a description of things happening. And he describes a fulfillment based on that. For example, if we read verse 15 again. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. So just as Jesus the Son of God came out of Egypt, was called by God to come back into the land of Israel in the way that I've described to you. So the prophet here, who happens to be Hosea in chapter 11, is describing something similar, but he's not actually prophesying a future event. He's actually describing something that had already happened in his time. And that is that God had called it the people of Israel, also known as the Son of God in a collective sense, his son had been called out of Egypt. That's when Moses took the people of Israel out of Egypt, out from under the authority of the pharaohs, through the Red Sea, into the wilderness, and then later into the promised land. So this fulfillment in this third instance is like a kind of application. Just as something described in the Old Testament happened once, so something very similar can happen again. And that's an application. It isn't a prophecy, it's a statement, but a statement of events can happen in a similar way again. Israel was the corporate son of God and came out of Egypt. Jesus was the unique single son of God, the one saviour, the Messiah. And so he also came out of Egypt. So the fulfilment of prophecy can take place in a number of different ways. We'll see this theme coming back from time to time. But many people are very interested in prophecy and how it functions in the Bible. And so I've just taken a little bit of time in this talk to illustrate these three ways. A direct prophecy, a typological prophecy, where one event in, is prophesied in the past, but another similar one happens in the New Testament. And an application where an event described in the past is very similar to an event that happens in the New Testament period and there's another recapitulation or repeating of something very similar. And in three different ways, these are fulfillments. The significance and meaning of the history and the prophecy of the Old Testament comes to fulfillment in Christ. We'll see this pattern or parts of it many times as we go through the Gospels. And I'll mention direct prophecies, typological prophecies and applications on those occasions quite often. And now you'll, you'll understand what I'll be meaning when I mention them. So 
As we draw to the end of this session, this episode, I want now just to step back from this uh, extraordinary story. I find it very, very helpful, by the way, just to get in my imagination to work out what was really going on for Joseph and Mary. It was very, very remarkable. And it tells us something very important about their character. Now, I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but I want to come back to uh, this fact because it's very important for our story. Joseph and Mary were two very remarkable people. Greatness was thrust upon them. Responsibility was thrust upon them. Suffering was thrust upon them. Prominence was thrust upon them. Nothing could have prepared them for this in their human experience, living a rural life in central Galilee, in the quiet village of Nazareth with just a few hundred people living there. There was nothing special about their lives, but there was something special about their characters, something perhaps rather hidden from view in their earlier lives. But amazingly, when Mary was given this tremendous responsibility of carrying Jesus and nurturing him as a child, she was willing to accept that responsibility. And amazingly, when Joseph realized that he needed to lead this family and protect this family, he took on that responsibility despite the first child not being his biological child. And they had a very difficult journey to go to Bethlehem and a very uh, uncomfortable context in which Jesus was born. But then the next year or so was extremely difficult and uncomfortable for them. How much they must have missed their family back in Galilee. None of their family had seen this newborn child. Here they were in Egypt. They didn't know how many years they were going to spend in Egypt before it was safe to return to their own country. They were a wanted family. They had the fear of being captured if they went back into the country and their child taken away from them and killed. These are significant issues for them. But what we see is a story of faithfulness and are willing to pay the price for the things that God called them to do. So as I've done in previous episodes, I want to just underline the character of Mary and Joseph and commend them to us and encourage us to take the responsibilities that God gives us, even though the road in life is not necessarily going to be easy. There's nothing in the Gospels which suggests to us that to follow Christ is to find an easy and comfortable life. It's a life of challenge. It's a life of cost, but it's a life of immense fulfillment because that's what we're meant to do. And we know, even though this life can be tough and difficult at times, that the rewards are phenomenal. The eternal rewards for faithfulness and the rewards of God's blessing on our lives, even when we take the tough road, as Mary and Joseph did, as they set out along that coastal road that took them from Bethlehem to Gaza and through to Alexandria and the other northern parts of Egypt where they would have stayed. Another reflection I want to make from this particular episode is the fact that Jesus and his family became refugees. 
They were refugees for a small period of Jesus' life, only a year or two perhaps. But nevertheless, they were refugees. And that provides a wonderful point of identification between Jesus and the human condition. And here we are in the 21st century, and at the time of this recording, statistics tell us that there are more refugees in the world today than at any time uh, since the end of the Second World War. And that number may well rise further. We live in a very turbulent world and on every continent, there is the risk of the need to become a refugee from your own country. And in some places, that's a very extreme risk. In other places, it's a very small risk. But the issue of refugees around the world is such a major consideration. And some of those viewing or listening to this episode, you'll be refugees from your own country. You'll have had to flee from your own country, maybe because of your faith, or maybe because of economic circumstances or political circumstances. And so I want to really speak to you and to suggest to you that there's something you can find encouragement in, in the fact that even Jesus, the Son of God, was for a time a refugee from his own country. And some of us are called to serve refugees, and that's a uniquely powerful function of the church, which in many countries is able to welcome people from other nations and help and support them. The final reflection I want to make here is concerning the power of government. And this is represented in this story by Herod the Great and his son Archelaus, who gets a brief mention in this passage. Both Herod and his son Archelaus were brutal, selfish, and difficult rulers, unpopular and unloved. But they showed hostility, Herod the Great in particular, hostility to anything truly spiritual. He tried to support the Jewish religion and he built up the temple, but it was only to gain popularity. There's no indication that Herod had any good spiritual inclinations at all. So governments can be hostile to the church, as Herod the Great was hostile to the infant Jesus. And as we look around the world today, there are many governments that are hostile to the church or cautious about its function in their nation and trying to control it in one way or another. But just as God helped Joseph, Mary and Jesus, so I believe God helps and protects his people in countries where their governments are hostile to one degree or another. He can help and support us and he can protect the church even though sometimes it's necessary for Christians to flee from one country to another and become refugees just as Joseph, Mary and Jesus had to do in this particular circumstance at the beginning of Jesus' life. So I hope you can take encouragement from this story and find some meaning that can apply to you and to me in the 21st century. Thank you for joining us in this episode. You have been listening to Martin Charlesworth for Word Online. To find out more, visit wordonline.org.